All right, here we go. This is part one. This is part one. Yeah, come on. Well, three shout-outs before I get stuck into this tonight. First of all, we had Ben and his, and his lovely wife, Chantel, who just returned from a break from being away from us for a little while uh, because they had their third child, little Eleanor Fair. So congrats, Ben and Chantel. Great to have you back. Great to have you on the piano. Was Lucas Ferguson, was he playing bass tonight? Wow. Wow. Is there anything that guy can't do? Oliver and Lucas together, you guys are amazing. But anyway, look, shout out number two, shout out number two, Christy, where are you? And the three new students, is that all right? Where's Christy? Christy, I can't, sorry, I can't see anything. Oh, there you are, thank you, Christy. Hey, uh, from Worldview, Danny and Christy Misdom oversee things at Worldview with a great team out there doing incredible things and brought three new stu- students tonight, is that right? And uh, do you want to stand up, girls, and three girls, is that right? Stand up, one, two, three. Three. Yeah, welcome. Welcome from, let me get this right, from Geelong, Melbourne, and Perth? Yeah, is that right? Excellent. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here. And uh, however long you may find yourselves here in our beautiful city, enjoy and may God bless you and your studies. Third shout out, all the way down the online, sorry, yeah, the online community tonight is to, and I don't know if he's watching tonight, he may have been online this morning, but if he's watching tonight, we're going to give a big shout out to our brother, Joel Ratcliffe. We love you, man. We miss you. And uh, Joel had, uh, well, he had a heart attack uh, a couple of weeks ago and is still in uh, recovery. And uh, we pretty much lost him, but it was brought back to life in Jesus' name. And uh, <laughs> we're thinking of you, man. We're praying for you. And we love you lots. Hey, uh, let's get into this tonight. Let's dive in. If you've got your Bibles, you've got your smart devices, paper and pen. Hey, do you like this kind of sense of intimacy we're trying to create here at 5 p.m.? It's kind of cool, isn't it, in our large auditorium. And so I hope you're enjoying uh, your your time here. And by the way, if you're here for the first time, you've been invited along. Um, Sorry, Danielle's right here. Hey, Danielle. Sorry, did you watch this morning or is he here tonight? Okay. He'll be here tonight. Yeah, if not... Pass on our greetings to, uh, to your lovely husband. Hey, uh, I think it's safe to say as we get into this subject tonight, what's the first topic is praying. Um, oh, that's right. I was about to welcome everybody, wasn't I? So if you're here for the first time tonight being invited along, I'm all over the show tonight. <laughs> I'm all over the show tonight. I stick with my notes. Here we go. Um, I think, you know, it'd be safe to say, would it not, that every one of us here would agree if there's one area of our lives Um, that we need as much encouragement in, it would be this area of prayer, our prayer life. I think all of us desire um, that sense of having an effective, deeper, intimate relationship with God through prayer. And because of that tonight, this is our number one key value of prayer, seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, We're going to discuss this idea of what it means to go deeper in praying both uh, on our own and also corporately. Is that okay? Good. Um, Prayer, I I think you'd agree, is one of the greatest sources of connection we can have to God. Yet, for many people, if we're honest, and let's be honest, we're in church tonight, can be also one of the greatest sources of frustration in our relationship with God. So, how do we pray? In fact, why do we even pray? Pray. How do we pray like we believe that uh, Jesus is inviting us to pray? I don't know about you, I've, I'm yet to meet a person who says, my problem is I just pray too much. I just pray way too much. I've never met a person like that. Gener- generally, when it comes to prayer, we have that approach, don't we, where we have to 
We feel that, uh, you know, that sense of guilt or even an emergency, you know, when those emergencies come along in our lives, we feel that we, we just, yeah, have to pray. It's a bit like a spare tire. For those who drove here tonight or you came in a car, I bet none of you thought of that spare tire, right? None of you thought about that spare tire. And so it's a bit like that spare tire. The only time we think about a spare tire is when we have a flat tire. And that's unfortunately, when it comes to praying, that's how deep it gets for some of us. But hopefully we can climb out out of that tonight. You see, the tension we face with prayer, I think there's a couple of tensions. Is that, In fact, um, are we doing it right and are we doing it enough? Have I met my quota for the day? How do I make my quota for the week or even the month? And so am I doing it right? Am I doing it enough? But isn't it true? Isn't it not true that we, in fact, reduce this idea of praying to that of our needs, wants, and wishes? Often is the case. And maybe, maybe your prayer life is consistent with asking God for things. Now, I want to be very clear, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. We'll soon find out about that. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Why? Because we believe that there is, in fact, so much more to prayer than just simply asking God for things. Now, I want to look at prayer tonight from a little bit of a different angle and provoke us just a little bit here. Is that okay? I can provoke us a little bit to, to for, uh, help us think a little bit more deeply about how and why we are to pray. So let's ask this question instead. Is there another purpose to prayer other than asking God for something? What if we looked tonight through a totally different lens at this idea of prayer? Because here's what I believe. Some of you may be familiar that I um, recently had what you call a sabbatical. Uh, it wasn't a holiday, but it was, but it wasn't. But anyway, and so I had some time off at the end of last year. And it was a great time. I had a lot of time in prayer, uh, both on my own, uh, with family, and also walking. I love to run. Some of you know I love to run, but I actually found walking. That was amazing. It was amazing. We didn't know that was such a thing. How about that? That was good. Good on you, walking. Anyway, I believe, I believe because of that time that God is inviting us into a deeper way of connecting with Him and that what we've been invited into is not so much about prayer times, but a prayer life that is constant, uh, in constant connection with God. And so, how do we move from praying to a God who's out there in a land far, far away, and we're kind of making our phone call and hoping He's going to answer, to, a, to praying to a God who's in here, who's with you, who is for you, and so, how do we pray? Now, tonight, we're going to look at a specific passage from the Bible, and Jesus was asked that exact question. And he actually answered it and gave us a way to pray. We find this in the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you might be familiar with that. The greatest sermon message that was ever spoken, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we find ourselves here tonight. And his own disciples, by the way. His own disciples looked at the life of Jesus. They listened to the way Jesus prayed. They also watched the authority 
for which he prayed. And they kind, they kind of concluded in their own lives, wait on, wait on, we're missing something here because what we're observing in Jesus' life is something very different to what we've been brought up with. How about that? What we've been brought up with, in fact, our parents showed us how to pray. They taught us how to pray, and there's a lot of reading, and the religious leaders taught us how to pray. But now we've seen Jesus pray, and we're fascinated. And they asked this question of Jesus. Do you know what the question was? Teach us to pray. Jesus, we want to know how you pray. Now, the parallel passage of Matthew chapter 6 is also in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Thank you, Dr. Luke, for being, well, not overly specific there, but Jesus was, was praying in a, in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, here it is, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice something here. It's not teach us a prayer. It's certainly not teach us to preach, but Lord, teach us to pray. Now, this is the same question that we're asking here tonight. How do I pray? By the way, by the way, before we go any further, it's a little risky if you consider some of the questions that Jesus was asked throughout Scripture. You think of some of the times in the Bible that the people asked Jesus a question. In fact, he would turn it around and ask them an even better question and often would answer in a parable or a story, it's a story, which would ultimately reveal the deeper heart of God and make the listener really sit up and think about it. And by the way, this is not one of those times. By the way, how many questions in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, do you think Jesus was asked? Well, let me give you the answer. 183 questions Jesus was asked. 183 questions. Um, there were three times, and this is one of them, that he answered directly and didn't kind of turn it or ask another question. Uh, this prayer is called the Lord's Prayer. And anyone familiar, you've heard of the Lord's Prayer? Very cool. And so um, this is probably the most famous prayer in the entire world. And Jesus clearly says here uh, to the disciples that, um, let me teach you a way to pray. Not the way, but a way to pray. And so let's look at what's behind what Jesus is saying to his, the disciples. Um, let's ask the question, what's the, the purpose and the point behind this specific prayer, or behind prayer in general, I'd say, anyway. Is he giving the disciples and us um, something to memorize, or is there really a deeper way of praying and staying connected with God at all times? Now, the disciples wanted to know how to pray, but Jesus wanted them to know why we pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, 9 to 13, a very popular passage. And if you're journeying with us, by the way, if you've been invited along, great, once again, to have you here. But lean in with us, because I think we've got a, a lot to learn here together. Matthew 6 says this, this then is how you should pray. Who's speaking? Jesus is speaking. Now, when he says something like that, I want to sit up and listen. Check this out. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's break this down. Um, when Jesus said, when Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, you can in fact translate that by saying, in this manner pray, or even along these lines pray. So this prayer is not so much that of it being memorized as much as something it is to be modeled. Once again, it represents that, that posture and even perspective uh, that we are to adopt when it comes to praying. This then is how you should pray. Jesus, right? He goes on and says, Our Father in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is it begins with perspective. When we pray, we begin praying with perspective. What he means by that is that we actually identify it's who we are talking to. And I've certainly discovered in my prayer time and my prayer life that when I approach God with the right perspective, I realize to whom I am praying. Not only that, I realize where he sits. God, he has the best seat in the house. Where does God sit, by the way? It's okay if you don't know. God, the scriptures teach us that he sits on the throne. By the way, where, is, where does Jesus sit, for those who weren't here this morning? On the right hand of God. Scripture supports that. Hebrews. We'll get to that in a moment. But um, here Jesus is. Um, uh, God, as I get perspective coming back, um, he's in the best seat in the house. He sees it all. And when I get that kind of perspective that he's there and I'm here. By, by the way, we've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? living and active, convicting people's lives, drawing people to the cross. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in and amongst us on earth. And when I realize that he is on the throne, Jesus at his right hand, and the Holy Spirit is actively among us in this earth, um, when I realize that, in fact, it helps me pray with faith. Not only that, but I live free because of that. I don't have to um, live lonely uh, but he is with me, and I live free. Because Jesus said, our Father, our Father, as soon as we say our, our, guess what we're doing? We're embracing others. We're embracing others. It's like a family, and we realize that God has other kids, and I'm not only an only child, right? Any only child here, any children, kind of, you're the only one in the family. That's okay, that's okay. Fantastic. You're also welcome here as well. <laughs> <laughs> our Father, our, we're embracing family, we're embracing others. Let's move to the word Father, because this immediately implies relationship. Relationship. By the way, there's a little bit of um, historical insight that deserves to be told here, because this was a radical departure from Judaism in Jesus' day when he uses the word Father. Um, hardly used throughout the Old Testament all, at all, um, um, you come into the New Testament, Jesus uses uh, the word Father 165 times except once. Does anyone know when Jesus doesn't use the term Father? Correct, on the cross. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And so um, he used the word father a lot. And to bring this into his day, we've got to understand uh, the difference. The, the, I'm missing the word here at the moment. I'm, I'm struggling to get. But this was a radical departure from what was then known as calling God, God, master. But all of a sudden, it's father. It's father. And part of the reason that they wanted to kill him, because he in fact claimed that he had... Um, a personal living relationship with God. And so the actual word that Jesus uses here, Father, and of course Jesus spoke Aramaic, very good for those Bible college students, very good. Uh, <laughs> the actual word Jesus uses here is an old Aramaic word, um, and it's a very intimate word, and the word is Abba. Abba, which translates in Swedish to super mega disco group. <laughs> that's, my, that's my only funny. Thank you, Dorothy. Thank you for laughing. I'm going to speak to Dorothy tonight because she's laughing. So. <laughs> that's my only funny tonight. So uh, some people are going, what did he say? <laughs> Abba. Oh, anyway, back in the 70s and 80s. But anyway. <laughs> And so this word, as I said, this old word comes from, it's an old Aramaic word, which literally means, in fact, more than father. In fact, it means, it means daddy, daddy, the picture of that child coming to daddy. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because we are his what? Because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call, here it is, call out daddy, father. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Daddy, Father, we are to come. And Jesus' prayer is inviting us into something more relational. In fact, he would say um, the best way for us to approach and to understand and relate to God is to approach him as a perfect father, a perfect father. And when we, are to, when we are to pray, when we pray, we are to pause and we are to acknowledge who we are addressing. The great God, the songs we just sang were beautiful, by the way, who has no equal, who has no rival, both infinite and intimate, the one who gives meaning to and provides context for our lives. Jesus continues, he says, hallowed be your name. Now, this word hallowed, we don't use this word that often, I'm sure some of the staff are going to get around the office tomorrow and say, hallowed, hallowed. No, they won't. But this word hallowed means, literally, means uh, high above, to be praised, ascribing praise and worth to God. It's that sense that when we're in prayer, what an honor it is to come to you directly, to know that I am known, to know that I am heard, and to know that I am in relationship with you. Because if we rush by this, what Jesus says next is going to be lost on us. And what follows is, in fact, I'm going to go for it, is why we pray. This is the purpose of prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here we go. Here it is. Your kingdom come. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this part of praying, when we pray, we often skip. We don't necessarily come to God in that song we sang, I surrender. We don't come to him in surrender. We come often to be rescued, do we not? It's like that spare tire in the car. And what Jesus is showing us, yes, is a way to pray. But it starts by saying, you are, you are, you are God. And when I declare that, when I declare God, who God is, it helps me understand who I am. And when I understand that, that's when I can, I can move in that, into that position and say, your kingdom come. Your will be done, no matter what's happening in my life. Because according to Jesus, the purpose of prayer is surrendering our will, not imposing it. Prayer is not about moving God, but being moved by God. And so this is the very thing we find Jesus wrestling. You might remember the story of the Easter story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Scripture paints this picture, this, this picture of Jesus praying, and it's as if it's, what was it, the uh, sweats, droplets of blood. Because he's saying, I don't want to go through this. This is, this is a pretty tough assignment. You've given it to me. But he ends up by saying, not my will, but your will be done. And so until our wills are surrendered to his will, aren't we just users? Aren't we just consumers? Aren't we just treating God like an ATM or a vending machine of sorts? And so I think it's, you know, it's worth considering because prayer doesn't begin necessarily all the time with asking. Prayer begins according to Jesus' teaching here with recognizing and surrendering. And it begins by remembering who God is and who we are. So his will takes priority. Let's go a little bit further here. Let's dig in here because I think Jesus is doing more than simply teaching us to pray properly. He's in fact inviting us to experience the world in a way that we'll never experience unless we Find ourselves in that position of surrender. I surrender all. Can we pray for other things when we pray? Absolutely we can. The Apostle Peter clearly encourages us to bear our souls when we pray, to cast all our care on Him. And so, yes, all those requests that you have, things that are uh, maybe near and dear to you, your, your, those deepest burdens you experience in life to your biggest heartbreak, all of those things are, yes, to be laid at the feet of the Heavenly Father after we acknowledge His right to rule in our lives, after we have surrendered to His Lordship. And so instead of, instead of telling God what He already knows, we tell our circumstances who we know. Now, there's a word that describes, it's a theological word that describes who God is. There's a number of them. One of those is omniscient. Anyone know what the word omniscient means? All-knowing. Our 
our God is all-knowing. So what I mean by that, and although it doesn't really matter, but do we go to God and inform Him of what He already knows? Now, just come with me. I'm trying to be semi-serious, but there's a little bit of a play here where God's sitting on the throne, we are praying, and we're informing Him of stuff that He already knows. So is it about informing Him stuff of already, that He already knows, or is, it being, or is it about being conformed by Him? Remember, 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 it's about posture. It's about perspective and giving Him those things and even more. Verse 11 goes on, give us today our daily bread. Finally, finally, it's our turn. That's our turn, here we go. <laughs> give us today, or is it? Or is it? Give us today our daily bread. Jesus, is he taking prayer requests here? Or is he saying, here's, in fact, what I want you to pray for? Provision, pardon, and protection. Provision, pardon, and protection. Give us today our daily bread. Once again, when it, who, who Jesus is addressing here are the first century audience, of course, and we're reading on as well. But he was teaching them to what? To recognize their dependence is on God through it all, with much or with little. But isn't the same true for us? That this part of the prayer is when we remind ourselves that God is um, our ultimate provider, and just how dependent we are to be on Him. Or do we do that? Do we do that? Because the culture in which we find ourselves living in is a culture of excess, isn't it? There's so much that we have that's so easily easy to become ungrateful for. And the truth is that many of us run the risk of losing our dependence on God because we have so much. Give us today our daily bread, and it's a reminder of our dependence on God for our what? For our provision, which then brings us to our pardon. Let's bring this into landing. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some of you might be familiar with the words um, um, trespasses or sins, and that's okay. Different translations. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that I'm in fact, I assume you're doing that you are forgiving others. I'm sure, I assume you're doing that because you, you, you are asking for forgiveness as a reminder to also forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate, two great words, to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, here's Jesus' point. It's kind of, kind of ugh, it's going to get there, right? Wait for it. This is Jesus' point. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. You expect to be forgiven. <laughs> this is Jesus. Um, forgive, forgive. And maybe one of the most important things we can pray are those two words each and every day. I know I do. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me as I forgive others. I think this is also an invitation from Jesus to be specific about our prayers. Specific. Anyway, we forgive because we've experienced what it is to be forgiven. Of course, Jesus knows what a lack of forgiveness does to the human heart. And as a, 
Um, our Father in heaven wants to protect us from bitterness, from anger, from hurt and resentment and things like that. And so the Heavenly Father, just like a good father, um, wants the best for you, what's, what, wants what's good for you. What is good for you, if I get that out, but uh, when you forgive, when you forgive, you will be introduced to a world of freedom and peace that you'll never know otherwise. Provision, pardon, and last one, protection, protection. Thanks, team, if you want to come up. Verse 13 says this, and lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from the evil one, because we are more than capable of finding temptation all by ourselves. So the idea here is to not get ourselves into a situation where we are tempted above our ability to resist. By the way, can I just quickly ask, uh, when was the last time you prayed this one? This part of the prayer. Lead me not into temptation. We pray for safe travel. We pray for good school marks. We pray for a car park. (laughs) And some places you and I know Some places you know are your greatest of temptations. That bakery, that vanilla slice, that's a huge temptation. That donut's a huge temptation. That cafe, Bunnings for some of us, is a huge temptation. Let's just go a little bit deeper just for a moment. That TV show. actually led into temptation himself he knew exactly what he was talking about the author of hebrews reminds us of just how intense this temptation was we read in hebrews 4 says for we do not we do not have a high priest who's the high priest jesus very good who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are Yet he did not sin. You know, we will continue to go on sinning and sinning and sinning throughout life. Let's just be honest. I've reached the ripe old age of 40-something. Oh, man. But the gap can become less. I believe the gap can become less. He goes on, let us then, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of temptation, in time of need, it says, of course. But notice how this, this prayer ends. Stay with me just for a moment if you could. Notice how it ends. It ends how it begins. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours, yours, yours. Now, I realize some translations don't include that ending, but some of us who grew up knowing this particular prayer, that's how you would finish the prayer. The prayer. I prefer it, in fact, for this particular reason, that in fact, it doesn't contradict any major truth or doctrine of the Bible. It's perfectly fitting to end as we begin. We close in worship to Him. This then, this then, is how you should pray. Not just a prayer to be memorized. It's a way to pray. And if you get stuck and don't know what to pray, it's a way, not the 
way. It's a way to pray, just like Jesus prayed. That open dialogue, that open conversation that we come freely with confidence to the throne room of God. This week is our application. You ready for it? This week, this week in prayer, as soon as those feet hit that floor and you get out of bed, this week when you pray, address God as, as Father, as Daddy. Declare His greatness, that He has no rival, that He has no equal. Hallowed be His name. Declare His greatness. Surrender your will. In spite of what's happening in my life, my trust is in you. My faith is in you because I know where you sit. Surrender your will. Your will be done. Your will be done. And acknowledge your dependence on Him. For what? For your provision. For your pardon. And for your protection. This is where Jesus takes us and leaves us with this prayer. Surrendered. Dependent. And forgiven. This Let me pray. Let me pray for us because we're going to stand and sing here in a moment. But I just feel led to pray for some people here right now, just in this moment. We're going to continue our worship of Him just in a moment. All heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. Let's pray to our Heavenly Father. For you are the perfect Heavenly Father. You are good. You are holy. You are mighty. You are our great God. You are creator. You are both infinite and intimate. Father, I thank you that you're the kind of father that can be trusted with our lives. And for many of us here tonight, this is a healthy and a helpful review of, well, sometimes it's a challenging thing. And I pray that you'd give us the courage to pray this week with hands open, surrender to you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And right now, as all heads are bowed, we just quiet ourselves just a moment in this time. But if you need to get right with God right now, right now, say this just in your heart of hearts with me. God, I give you my life. God, I give you my heart. God, come into those places, those spaces that you only know about. Because I know, God, you're intimately acquainted with all my ways. And I'm thankful for that. Father, forgive me of my, my shame. Forgive me of my guilt. Tonight, I put my trust. I put my trust in your son, Jesus, because I believe for the very first time here tonight that he died upon that cross and he died for my shame, my guilt, my sin. And he shed his blood. If I was the only one here, he would have died just for me. Lord, please be that for me. Be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and stay with me forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How about we stand to our feet and we sing this Lord's Prayer together. You may have never heard this. The team are going to sing this beautifully. And if this is you for the very first time here tonight, lift your heart. Lift your life before Him. Hallowed be your name.